Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. And today I'm talking with Amelia Powers. Amelia is a 42-year-old mom and attorney who lives in Denver, Colorado. She's been married for 19 years to her husband, Drew, and has two kids, Meyer, who is 17, and Evelyn, who is 14. Amelia owns her own law firm, Power Law, where she compassionately represents people charged with crimes. So hello, Amelia. I am so happy to have you talking with me today. And today we're going to talk with our listeners about... um, the difference between being a mom coming into perimenopause and menopause with kids that are a little older versus a little younger. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we raise kids and why kids, why it's sometimes a good thing to have older kids. Uh, we're, we're living in a world that has been putting pushing motherhood back a bit and you did not. It looks like you started in your mid-20s with having kids. Is that right? Yes. Hi. Um, yes. So I, my son was born when I was 25, which I think 20 years ago was a very respectable time to have a kid or 30 years ago. But anymore, sometimes people look at me like I was a teen mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was actually, um, I waited until I was 24 to have my son mm-hmm. who is now 43. Um, and I, I think I was pushing it to the far extreme, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but now, now we have a lot of people coming along who are having their kids later. And so as you're going into perimenopause are there things that are that worry you about your relationship with your kids and with your with your husband looking back on it you know I'm glad I had my kids when I was a little bit younger just because I find myself physically becoming a little bit slower and Mm -hmm. things are starting to ache more my husband and I joke like every time we get a pain we're like oh is that something we should worry about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So like when my kids were younger, we had all this wonderful, you know, these wonderful times of hiking and biking and walking and all of that. But um, I think where I find that I kind of wish maybe I'd waited is that I think you know yourself a little bit better in your 30s. And, you know, there's definitely times when I look back at their early years where I just feel, you know, I I was still such a kid myself, you know, what was I doing and could I have done things better? And 
um, you know, and also just making memories, you know, I mean, it just feels like it went so fast. Yeah. But I hate to tell you that time just goes way faster the older you get. <laughs> um, there is there is that to have to worry about. Yeah. Amelia, were you an attorney when you had your ch your children? Were you working for yourself or were you working for a law firm or were you not an attorney at all when when you had your kids? Yeah, I was not an attorney when I had my kids. So I actually um, was still in undergrad when I had my son because I took a while to get through college. So I had my son and then graduated my undergrad the next year. And I've always worked in law firms. I was actually a corporate and securities paralegal. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I was doing that when my son was born and I was doing that when my daughter was born. And then I ultimately decided to go to law school at 31. Ah, they were pretty so little. So you went to school when your kids were pretty little. How was how was that? Um, law school is, is not easy. Um, mm -hmm. I know from from friends who've gone through it that law school can be a tough tough few years. Um, how long did it take take you to get through law school? Let me ask that. Yeah, I did it. I did that one the right amount of time. Three years. <laughs> three years. Wow. That's with young kids. That's amazing. Yeah. So but it, was actually, it was a great time because I felt like I could. Um, so I think my, my daughter had just started kindergarten and my son was in like early grade school. And so I actually was able to, you know, drop them off and pick them up. And as opposed to being a sort of high powered, I was working in for a really big law firm when I was a paralegal and I was working a lot because um, I was mm -hmm. the only um, income at the time um, between my husband and I. So being able to stop and go to law school, I actually was able, I, I look back at those years very fondly in terms of being able to actually be more of an involved parent. Oh, great. That yeah, is shockingly that is terrific. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you start your firm right out of law school or did you go to work for another firm for a while or did you go to work as a public defender? I know you yeah, do. I was a public defender for four years and that that was the opposite. I just I don't really remember those years. I certainly don't remember my kids very well. It was a lot of work. It was really intense and it was important because that's how you mm -hmm. learn. But it was Right. Yeah, it's I feel very bad about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, you know, I know from my own experience with my own son that your kids will probably did a lot better than you feared they did in those years. And yeah. um, that I'm sure knowing you as I do, um, that you had a plan and worked that plan and it, it worked out for your kids but maybe you didn't get the satisfaction out of those years with your kids that you might have yeah I think that that's fair to say and I, I appreciate that and I do I think they're amazing kids I'm so lucky I, you know I do mm -hmm. now I do juvenile defense um as part of my criminal defense work so I see the broad spectrum of 14 to 17 year old behavior. And I think that my kids are doing really well. So it all worked out, but <laughs> I'm glad it did. <laughs> so um, I think I asked you what about going through it. So let's talk just a little bit about where you might be on your perimenopausal journey. I think we've talked about this in the past, but you know me, I'm postmenopausal, and if I don't have the notes I took that day, I don't remember. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. tell me about tell me a little bit about your 
um, experience with perimenopause to date? Because you're at the early end of the age, but we know that people go through this at a very different rate. So where where are you in this this spectrum? Yeah, it's a whole well, different it, spectrum, I guess. <laughs> it's interesting because I um, I'm I'm worried about menopause because I know for my mom it was a very um, it was a difficult experience for her, mm-hmm. and so I've always kind of looked at it as like, Ooh, what is this going to look like, and what how will it affect me? And it feels like a bomb that's about to go off, and so I'm kind of Ooh. always a little bit trepidatious about it. Um, I've had an IUD since my daughter was born 14 mm-hmm. years ago, so I don't have a cycle. So I don't know how that's going. So yeah. I should, I'd love to talk to you about that. If that's something I should start amending. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing about that is IUDs have changed and they used to be, you know, not a hormonal thing so that you did still have your cycle mm-hmm. and you simply didn't get pregnant. Now they're using a combination where your IUD actually releases a small amount of hormones that is controlling your cycle. So you don't have a cycle and yet you're still, um, you're, and you're protected from becoming pregnant. So it is now considered for most people, the Mirena type uh, IUD is now considered a hormonal birth control. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what happens when you're on a hormonal birth control and you're coming up on your menopause, your menopausal year. Yeah, absolutely. So your body is still trying to come up with a good word for this without being insulting or, or trivializing it. Your body sloughs off about 500 to a thousand ovum or eggs every month, whether or not you are actually ovulating. Oh. So you don't ovulate 500 eggs, but 500, 500 to a thousand eggs just simply go away. They, they, some of them come up to mature. Um, and I, there's a lot of what's really going on when you're on hormonal birth control, but some of them do start to mature and then fall off because the hormonal support isn't, isn't there for them to come to maturity. And some of them simply go away. Oh. And when you get to know to few viable eggs in your ovaries, your body stops trying to ovulate. Oh. So right now you're not ovulating, because at least I don't think you are. And this would be a great topic. I guess I'm going to have to research the topic a little (laughs) bit and and provide some more information about what's happening in terms of ovulation, but in terms of actually having your uterus um, lining build and and, um, shed every month, that's not happening. Mm -hmm but you are still losing eggs every month. So sometime between the ages of say 48 and 50, you're going to want to think about going off of hormonal birth control. Okay. Okay. 
and you're going to want to use another form of birth control, non-hormonal, yeah. <laughs> until you, um, until your doctor says you you're through menopause. Here's the thing that hormones that you're getting is messing with the ability of your doctor or, or yourself to tell whether you're actually in menopause because you're not having a cycle. This yeah. is true of someone who has had a hysterectomy and still has ovaries. They're actually still ovulating and they still will eventually go through menopause or the cessation of ovulation. By the way, um, menopause, the word, comes from pausing the menses oh. or pausing so, the cycle. So I'm in menopause. <laughs> but you really aren't. <laughs> and because it's a it's a Greek word, it's it comes or it comes from the Greek. And it's been around well longer than we really understood ovulation. So we never really, what we saw with women who, who had no other choice but to go through natural menopause because they weren't, they couldn't have hysterectomies because that didn't exist. And they couldn't have hormonal birth control because that didn't exist. They simply said, oh, it's when your menses stops but it's really when the ovulation stops. So a person, a woman who has ovaries, but no uterus or a hysterectomy, and the other version is called a quote, total hysterectomy, or um, let me get this right. Sometimes I can talk, sometimes I can't. It's a total, it's a hysterectomy with a double oomphorectomy or O-O-P-H. And then it goes on, keeps going on, <laughs> Okay, but that's when your ovaries are removed. So yeah. some women have a hysterectomy with just their uterus with one ovary, because there's a problem with one ovary or okay. so that's, that situation can happen and she can still be waiting for menopause to happen, but she's not going to know from her cycle when it's happening. And neither will you if you start into menopause or perimenopause, really, uh, while you're still on hormonal birth control. So you're not going to know. It's almost impossible from your doc for your doctor to tell from a blood test. So what's going to happen is you're going to go through perimenopause likely more smoothly than somebody who isn't on hormonal birth control. But that's not a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Some women, some women have issues and um, symptoms because their body is changing. It's, it doesn't stop you from aging, obviously. Um, it doesn't stop you from a number of things that can happen. Yeah. And you may find yourself experiencing some symptoms. Many, many women don't. And there are doctors who won't take women, who encourage women to stay on hormonal birth control in their 40s because it's going to make those symptoms less hmm. obnoxious. That's interesting because I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that my mom was not on hormonal birth control. And yeah. so my mom had me when she was 30. 
And so by the time she was going through pre-menopause and menopause, I think that's what I, speaking of having kids, you know, it's sort of like, I'm finding that my kids now are at the age where they like really, really need me and they really need me to be productive and they need me to be emotionally present for them and all of those things. And my mom kind of checked out during her menopause because she was so tired and so overwhelmed. And so I think that's where my anxiety is really coming from is I don't want my physical symptoms to, you know, now check me out of my kids' lives again. So here, here is what I would say to you. And I, I've, (laughs) I've started questioning hormonal birth control, the more work I do in this area, because I see how being on hormones can, can really take us away from who we are. However, (laughs) however, if you are a woman who is in your 40s and are tolerating hormonal birth control well, where you don't have any um, heart, lung issues, where it might be an issue to, to stay on it, where you don't have any history of breast cancer in the family, yeah. um, because that's another indicator. Yeah. And usually they wouldn't have put you on for hormonal birth control in the first place, <laughs> but we never know. <laughs> Oh, doctors actually caring about our history. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it it is a little scary to know that there are, and that we find new things, you yeah. know, we find new, new relationships and new uh, situations that we have to talk about those kinds of things um, again and again and again. When, when I started it was uh, when I started on hormonal birth control when I was 17. I, yeah, I'm going to admit that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I was sexually active. I needed birth control. But the pills were much higher concentration. Oh. They were both estrogen and progesterone. And they really did, I mean, I gained weight from them. There were, there were side effects and slowly over the 40 years between then and now they have changed the formulations and they are much less uh, potentially toxic to a woman's body, but they're Mm -hmm. not, they're not completely safe either. Mm -hmm. They, and we have learned more and more and more about these side effects and what we can and can't do within our bodies. Um, the same with hormonal hormone replacement therapy, which is the other side of menopause, which, which if you're on hormonal birth control, you're gonna, you may wanna think about, do I wanna be on hormone therapy after menopause? Yeah. A lot of yes and no's. Sleep. It's so important to our health and to our hormonal balance, yet 90% of women report not sleeping as one of their worst symptoms. Get my free sleep tips at menopausematterspodcast.com slash opt-in. A lot of women say, oh, I'm going to go on bioidentical hormones, which comes, I find kind of amusing when they've been on hormonal birth control, which all hormonal birth controls, as far as I can tell, are synthetics. Right. 
So you've been on synthetics for <laughs> 30 years and now you're going to scream because <laughs> you might be taking a synthetic hormone. Yeah. I personally think they're better bioidenticals, um, <laughs> which is another reason that I think hormonal birth control, we need to really think about yeah. what we're doing to ourselves and our bodies, um, which is all a long way of saying now on the other side of menopause, you're going to have to make some decisions about whether or not you want to go on hormone replacement therapy. Um, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, I, I'm like starting to look into it and I know that there's there's concerns, there's like um, carcinogenic concerns, right? About There are carcinogenic concerns. There are issues with, is it going to fix my problem? Uh, okay. So hormone replacement therapy is usually both estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. But when you start based on uh, and you're still in perimenopause, you can be given estrogen and that can shoot your estrogen levels too high. Oh. While your progesterone levels are low or just about right with the, with the replacements, estrogen levels can be too high and you get into a condition known as estrogen dominance. So that sounds great. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so you want to know some of the symptoms of estrogen dominance? Sure. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Um, so estrogen dominance can cause weight gain. Oh, no, we don't. Yeah. It can cause anxiety. Uh, got enough of that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Depression. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It has a list of symptoms that's, that are with it. Again, that... They're in my book um, yeah. when you go into the estrogen dominance section. So prior to actual menopause, when your levels are fluctuating and you're not on hormonal birth control and you say, okay, I want something to help me through this, we can talk about hormonal replacement at that point. But you're, you're because they're so wildly fluctuating at that point, you can easily get into this estrogen dominance situation for a short period of time, one or two months, and it drops, and then you're in low estrogen symptoms, and then you're in low progesterone sy symptoms. So it can be very difficult to get through that period of time using hormonal replacement. After menopause, so I talk about, there's a lot of reasons to me not to use hormonal replacement for as, for as much as you can, Yeah, because there's something else going on. We are changing as women. And this is so important. Women in their reproductive years from, from roughly when they go through puberty, 12, 13, 15, whatever it is, until they start going into perimenopause. Much of the estrogen and progesterone triggers our brains and our emotions to create a safe space in which to raise babies. Oh. So this is this is primordial. Yeah. It's evolutionary. And it goes back to when humans were hunter gatherers, nomads, tribal, 
and you needed to be in a tribe with sister wives, okay, in order to provide a protective space yeah. for you to raise your babies and to attract that hunter <laughs> to come back with the meat <laughs> and help you get through the, the, the time during which you are pregnant, yeah. have an infant, or have one or more toddlers, or as is more likely, all three at once. Right. And for a period of 15, 20 years, women in these hunter-gatherer tribes were not capable of going out and being the person who hunted because they had those little kids. Yeah, and then they died. <laughs> and then they died. It's like they were having to deal with what would happen after. <laughs> but a few of them didn't die. Mm. A few of them made it through to menopause. Mm. And not only did their bodies change, but their brains and their emotions changed. Oh, wow. And in, in ways that we see today as women in their 40s, and it happens with great regularity in my world, where I see women, women in their 40s getting on, online and talking about, damn it, I've been a people pleaser for 40 years of my life, and I just realized I don't have to be this. Yeah. Remember? Okay, it's yes. probably happening to you right about Indeed. now. Yes. And you're thinking, oh, I just woke up. I'm, I'm, I must be getting smarter. <laughs> well, the truth is that, yes, you're getting smarter. Yeah. Of course you are. But your body is changing. And estrogen, which has been driving some of these people-pleasing, some of the verbal, some of the ability to multitask, all of this willingness to be in a community and sacrifice oneself for the community is going away. You are blowing my mind. That's amazing. <laughs> I love blowing people's minds. That's amazing. <laughs> but I, that makes so much sense. I mean, that makes so much sense because you do see the shift often. And I mean, I'm hearing it from my girlfriends and I'm hearing it, you know, obviously in myself is like, why, why are we doing this <laughs> we can be by ourselves and we'd be coffee. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 and we see ourselves saying this stuff and we don't really realize that it's our brain changing. And there are a lot of implications. I've, I talk all the time about how this affects uh, multitasking as well, because there's an area in, in women's brains, and actually it's in everyone's brains, but it's stimulated by estrogen that allows us to do this, what I call serial, cyclic serial tasking. So where you go from one thing to another, to another, to another, and then you can come right back around and spiral up and finish all those tasks. Yeah. without ever really thinking about having dropped one or, or anything like that, because you just know where you are in all of them. Guys yeah. cannot do that. Yeah. 
Guys just can't do that. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) The one sad thing about menopause is that you won't be able to as well as you used to. Mm -hmm. And you will try. And you will try because what happens is it's a habit. I do it all the time. I'm going from thing to thing to thing. And then I get back to the first thing and I'm like, hmm, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't (laughs) shouldn't have gone that way about it. Yeah. So it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's, It's a neutral thing. It's just different. You are going to be a different person. Yeah. My my book is entitled, my first book is entitled, I Just Want to Be Me Again. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you're not going to go back to being exactly the same person you were. Right. You're going to be you 2.0. You're going to be this new person with new abilities, with new opportunities, with new the new ability, and here's the biggest ability that we get. If you think of yourself as a circle where there are things in the middle of your circle and then there are things in this layer and things in this layer. When we are younger and have young children, we're out here. We're Mm. way off the screen. We don't think about ourselves and we, we think of our, think of it, you know, if we get to the gym, we get to the gym, we diet a little, we diet a little, but really it's all about those kids. Right. And then we get to the point where menopause comes in and you don't have to throw anything out of the middle of the circle if you don't want. Yeah. But you get to put yourself in it too. That's huge. That's That's huge. Mm -hmm. You get to put your own purpose, priorities, passions into the center of the circle. And then you get to weigh husband going for a workout. He's not enough to get his own dinner. I'll go for my workout. (laughs) (laughs) Kids graduation ceremony. I want to go for a swim. Yeah. Graduation ceremony is going to win out. You right. get to make those decisions. Right. Whereas before you wouldn't, you, you might not even consider your own needs, wants, what, what it is you want to have happen to you. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And yeah, it, I, I don't know if you've been hearing this term that's been coming up, at least for me a lot lately, which is the mental load, like how women often carry the mental load in relationships. Mm, Yeah. And I have recently been realizing, like, I carry so much of the mental load of my household, of my kids, of my partnership, all of that. And I'm tired for the first time in my life. I'm so tired of it. And I'm I'm just thinking about what you're saying. And it makes so much sense that now it's like, no, I'm I want to be in the circle. I want someone to get that load for me. <laughs> so here's the thing. What I do with women is I help them with the physical symptoms so that they can go through it with as minimal a drug or hormone inter- intervention as they can. Yeah. So many of my women go through without any intervention. 
Mm. Some have been on antidepressants for years. It's difficult to just, you know, you can't just drop them. Right. Um, some decide to take hormones for a small amount of time because they really need it to, to get through what's going on. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that you can do with your diet, with your exercise that promote optimal hormonal balance. And we didn't talk about the four other hormones that are involved in this today. Yeah. And I talk about that a lot. So um, go back, check out another episode. Yeah. And, and uh, so there's also sleep and stress management and just knowing what's going on and how to support yourself through all of this is what I offer my women. And then we walk into this next part of their life and we look at what it is that they want and what it is, how to keep the things in your life that are good yeah. while adding in all of the, the amazing things that this second half of your life can bring. And I want to talk just a second about the second half of your life because- yeah. Way too often we think of menopause as something that happens to old women. Mm. And I agree. Okay, I've got the gray hair. I'm 67, <laughs> but it happened to me years ago. <laughs> the average age of completing the menopause um, transition, going into postmenopause is 51 in three months. That was before COVID. I, nobody's done any studies since COVID. I can't, we have no idea. Yeah. But 51, the average age of death for a woman in the United States is 81, meaning that you have 30 years. Wow. One half of your adult life will likely be lived in postmenopause, 30 to yeah. 50, 50 to 80. Yeah. We want to live strong, vital, productive, amazing lives, lives that contribute to other people, lives that contribute to ourselves and our own happiness, lives that contribute to our family and our kids. Yeah. And so living in a way that that really promotes your own personal health and ability to cope with not even cope with thrive through the changes that are happening to you are is super important and that's why I do what I do yeah and, and that's why I love having conversations with women about things like this, because it's so important to know that we can thrive at this time of our lives. Well, I feel really inspired and I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with me because I, that's what I want too, right? This is, Absolutely. this is my, my single time. <laughs> Not my single time. <laughs> now, this is, this is your time to thrive. Mm -hmm. And it's also your time. We, we didn't talk too much about relationships, but it's your time to sit down with that husband of yours and say, okay, I'm shifting. I'm changing. These are some of the things that are happening to me. I wrote a book about that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some reading to do clearly. <laughs> yeah. I, I did write a book for guys. Um, 
because they don't understand. They don't understand our bodies. They don't understand what we've been going through monthly for, for the, you know, the first 50 years of our lives. Yeah. And they need our, they need to understand what's happening and they need to re help you not help you, but the two of you together need to renegotiate your relationship. Yeah. What does it look like? What do the kids need? You still have four years with your son, I'm assuming, uh, ish. Yeah. <laughs> you have seven or so with your daughter. So you want those to be wonderful years, but you also want them to be years that you can begin this process of being you, yeah. being you 2.0. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Amelia, for, for coming on and asking the questions that let me help you and other women understand just what this amazing journey can be all about. Thank you. And I'm hoping that you normally at this point, I would say, if you need to get in touch with uh, Amelia, uh, for any reason, <laughs> and we did actually have a joke about menopausal rage and, and hiding the bodies, but, uh, if you do need, if you do need an attorney in the, the Denver area, power law is your, it should be your first stop. If, if, if it, if you should need a criminal defense attorney, but I hope you never, ever, ever have to meet Amelia professionally. <laughs> yes. But if you, if you need to see, need to talk with me further about this, you can catch me at menopause.guru and menopause guru on Facebook. And I hope that this particular episode has given you a lot to think about. And we'll see you next week with more. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.